Welcome to the Stop Suffering in Silence podcast with your hosts, Denise Walsh and Rachel Timothy. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Stop Suffering in Silence. My name is Denise Walsh, and I'm here with co-host Rachel Timothy. And today we need your help. We are going to have a conversation about what happens when survivors go into the emergency department and are seen after an assault. Now, the reason why this has been stirred up for us is because, as you know, we have recently connected with U of M Flint and are now a part of their SANE program, which is Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. And this is hopefully the nurse that survivors would see after an assault when they come to the ER, somebody who's trauma-informed, somebody who understands and can uh, just really know a bit more about what's going on than, than a random doctor who might not. So But with that being said, there are some ways that it could be done better, and we think that Stop Sis and you could help. So, Rachel, let's talk a little bit about what happens when a survivor goes into the ER and what they're currently experiencing, and then we'll talk about how we are looking for ways that we can help make it a better experience. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can just explain some of my own experiences of going into the hospital and the process of, you know, your body's in shock, your mind's in shock. Uh, You're afraid to be there because of fear or whatever put into your mind from the person who just assaulted you. Uh, You feel shame, you feel dirty and disgusting. And then, um, you know that it's the right thing to to get help. You know it's the right thing to seek medical attention, but at the same time, you don't want to be there at all. And so there's a little bit of a fight or flight uh, surging through you. But um, for me, you know, I I had to have a male doctor who you know did not have what appeared to be any trauma informed training. Um, the nurses and everybody was very nice, um, but just not trauma informed. I did not get to have a sane nurse. Um, there was a lot that felt outside of my control. And in many ways, you feel reviolated in order to do things like a rape kit. Um, you feel reviolated just in the process of having to explain why you're there. And uh, you're very closely watching the looks on everybody's faces as you start to explain. And um, there's times when it's just it's it doesn't feel as safe as it should to be there. And I mean, I know going to the ER or the emergency department in general is usually a big, long wait. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting in the waiting room. You're going to the main. You finally get admitted. You go into the room. You're sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And so, it's never a pleasant experience. And I can imagine all of that waiting can make anxiety go up, um, or you're just exhausted and wanting to sleep. And so, in a sense, we know we can't control all of that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the hospital experience. But it does sound like there are ways that we could potentially support hospitals and emergency departments in making the experience better. So what can we do in terms of supporting the survivor in that scenario? 
Well, and I had brainstormed about this for a little while and back when we were working with OSF a little bit and still are, but um, I had emailed one of the head SANE nursing um, directors and just said, you know, what about a video that this that the survivor could watch to kind of have things explained? Things like, we believe you, you don't have to worry about that. Things like, um, you're safe here and we are not going to judge you. And uh, this is all for your benefit. Like there's nothing outside of taking care of you. And that's why we're here. Like just things that uh, help remind the survivor that everything is safe where they are. And but then also explanation of what they're going to go through, why they're going to have to go through it while they're at the emergency department, things that they can choose um, maybe why the support person that is with them has to step out for a time, maybe give them definitions of things so that they better know how to explain things to the doctors, just to kind of help clarify communication a little bit more. Um, and I, I mentioned that to this director and he said, you know what, we do have a video and he sent it to me and, you know, it was, it was created by nuns who I don't think have ever been sexually assaulted in their life or, you know, have any, I, they were very sweet, uh, in the things that they said, but they don't get it from a level of I've been there. And so creating something that will help the survivor feel seen, heard, and, um, action is being taken to help them. And I think coming from a place of this isn't your fault, you are not alone. And then offering hope for the future. I know you often say trauma is not a death sentence. It may feel so heavy and hard right now, but just know that there, it, you, as you walk the healing journey, like you won't always feel this way. And so offering a bit of hope there too. And some aftercare options, obviously we're going to, if we create something for the hospitals to use, it'll be generic because every county is different. Every state is different, but every county and every state should have some aftercare options available that the nurse or the same nurse or the hospital social worker can provide to clients. And I think that that's another thing that it would be helpful for survivors to know is this, you're, the goal is that you don't just go home and try to get over it. The goal is that now the healing journey begins because being violated in any way is violating and traumatizing. So it makes sense that you're feeling a certain way now and the healing journey will support your growth and it won't feel like this forever. And so much of what happens in the emergency department can dictate that course of healing. You know, if if there is perceived judgment or, you know, not believing you, then the survivor is going to be less likely to seek out counseling to tell anybody else because they've already encountered somebody who doesn't believe them. And so having a supportive environment and a safe environment right then and there will lead them to think, okay, maybe other people will support me too. And they'll continue to speak out. Now, were you given aftercare options? I'm just curious, were you like, did they say, all right, let's set you up with counseling after this or, or were you just sent home? No, I mean, I was sent home. I I had um, your usual discharge papers. And I remember, you know, I, I probably got there about 6 p.m. at night and did not get discharged until 6 a.m. And so it was a very long drawn out thing. 
Um, I didn't, I, from my under like remembering, I did not get any tools to take home with me as far as how to heal from there. Right. And I, that is so shocking to me. <laughs> and I know I've said this before, but as um, working in mental health, I would get called to the ER when there was um, suicide um, attempts uh, and or overdoses. So substance abuse overdoses. But I never once was called for an assault survivor. And that is shocking to me because it seems like that would be a next step referral, clearly. Mm-hmm. And, and And hopefully things have changed by now. But I think that saying, you know, having those, that type of feedback in um, a potential video or handouts that we create could be helpful. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you think about it, if somebody goes there for a reason, you almost always have in the discharge papers, follow up with such and such doctor, you know, like here's a scheduled date already for such and such. Yeah, it's not from my experience. It wasn't that way. Okay. And so here's what the opportunity that we have, you guys, that we would love your help with. We have an opportunity in a few weeks to professionally record a video that um, is our voice, that is our message, that they would then professionally edit, that we could connect with the hospital staff and organizations that we currently are connected with and um, you know, have them use our video if it's helpful, right, in their settings. But the, the, there's three ways that you can help us with this project. Number one, if you are a nurse or you work in a hospital setting and you have a connection for us, we would love to talk to as many hospital staff, you know, whoever's in charge, and get them this resource if it's helpful to them. And and so any connections would be helpful because of course we want we don't want to create something for no reason. We want it to be used. The mm-hmm. second thing is we would love input. If you are a survivor and you've experienced this yourself, like what input would you have for what would you like to include or see in a video? What would have been helpful to you? Or if you're a nurse and again you're in the ED department, what works for you? What maybe you've seen doesn't work that you would like us to include. So please reach out with any sort of connections or feedback. We would love to collaborate and have your input as we work to make this um, this supportive, uh, sane video. And then the third way is to help fund it. Because, of course, if we are getting it professionally recorded and they're giving us like a nonprofit discount, but it's still a substantial amount. And so what we are requesting is monetary donations specific to this video and any donation above and beyond like what we normally get that is donated within the next two weeks, we would love to put towards this project so we can say yes to the opportunity that we have and get it on the schedule for the beginning of October. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you, when you think of a survivor sitting in a hospital bed, having experienced everything they just did, and then they get to look at a screen and they get to see somebody who is however many steps ahead of them after this assault, you know, and hearing I've been where you are, I've sat in that seat. I know what you're feeling and being able to just have that connection, even though it's through a screen, maybe that can feel somewhat of a hug in that moment and help them get through that awful experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I know this is something you've been dreaming about 
for mm-hmm. quite a while. And so it seems a bit surreal to have the opportunity and the connections to uh, create a video like this in the next few weeks. And yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those God things where a connection was given and I'll be in Nashville randomly. And you know what I mean? It's not random, but it's random. So we're like, yes. it's a powerful thing. Yeah. So I know like when we were talking with some of the nurses in the same program, they were explaining how just little tweaks in how they do things actually has created it to where they have recognized the more trafficking victims that have come into the ED department. Just little tiny tweaks here and there to be able to communicate a little bit better with the person sitting in the bed um, and being able to recognize the signs, you know, that maybe they didn't recognize before. Those little tweaks save lives. And, you know, we know statistically uh, that one of the only people who often will see the ones who are being trafficked, who are, you know, kidnapped or, or whatever, are nurses, are doctors. Like there's reasons these trafficking victims have to come in, whether it's, a you know, a, an abortion gone wrong, you know, or uh, some physical attacks or assaults that need fixed in order to save their life. But they go right back into trafficking because they're not recognized for what they really are when they're in the ED department. So these little tweaks are saving lives. And that's, you know, that's another reason that I want to do this so badly. Yeah, it's needed. That's for sure. We appreciate the nun video, but it's time for. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, nuns. But (laughs) yeah. It's fun. Well, cool. All right. Well, we are working on the script right now. And if you are interested in donating to this specific project, we're going to leave the links below. You can go to stopsuffering.org and make a one-time donation. And anything that's donated in the next few weeks will go specifically to this project. Uh, We thank you so much for your support and your collaboration. So be sure to comment or email us. Let us know if you've got connections that we can connect with, or if you've got input, we'd love to hear it as well. You can email us at stopsis at protonmail.com. All of that will be in the show notes below. And yeah, so we appreciate it. We're excited about this project and we so appreciate any help. Um, Anything else you want to add? No, I think think that's it. It's going to be a neat, neat thing. Yeah, it's super special. And yeah. All right. I think that's about it. Thank you guys again. (laughs) Let us know if you need anything. And if you have any input, we'd love to hear it. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this powerful episode of Stop Suffering in Silence. If you are interested in booking Rachel to speak at your school, your church, or on your podcast, then please email openblindeyes at protonmail.com. If you are interested in sponsoring a survivor on their healing journey and would like to donate to Stop Sis, then please check out the link in the description box or show notes below, or you can email stopsis at protonmail.com. And finally, if you are currently suffering in silence or you know somebody who is, whether they're dealing with a current trauma or one from the past, then we will always recommend that you reach out to your local resources and find a counselor that you can trust because nobody is meant to suffer alone. Have an amazing week and thank you for being here.